Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Wednesday, December 27th. Today we're looking at how seasonal shifts are causing chaos for UK nature due to climate change and the achievements of the UAE Research Program for Rain Enhancement Science as showcased in the prestigious Nature Research Journal. Plus, we'll be discussing Japan's plans for a late 2020s moon landing through a US-led program and the surprising discovery by astronomers of a planet that's too massive for its star. All this coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Science Station. Please enjoy today's selection of science news. Climate change is causing a seasonal shift that's wreaking havoc on UK's nature, according to the National Trust. Charlotte, can you delve into the details of this report and what it means for the UK's flora and fauna? Certainly, Diego. The National Trust is warning that climate change is disrupting the regular rhythm of the seasons, making plants and wildlife more vulnerable to disease. This shift is impacting the annual behaviors of animals, trees, and plants. For instance, 2023 saw a series of temperature records, including the warmest June and highest sea temperatures ever recorded around the UK. This unusually warm winter allowed pests and diseases to thrive. While low water levels in rivers, lakes, and reservoirs have led to increased algal blooms, causing mass fish deaths in some instances. That's concerning. What are some of the specific impacts this shift is having on the UK's ecosystems? Well, the effects are quite broad. For example, warm temperatures have prompted some shrubs to bloom early, making them susceptible to sudden cold snaps. This affects pollinators and the birds that feed on their seeds. The UK's most iconic tree, the oak, is particularly threatened by rising year-round temperatures. Shorter cold snaps don't leave enough time to kill off diseases, making the oaks more vulnerable to pests like the oak processionary moth. Animals that hibernate, like dormus, are also threatened as they're emerging from their winter sleep earlier, which can deplete their vital energy stores. That's quite alarming. Are there any measures being taken to mitigate these effects? Yes, the National Trust is working on building resilience into the UK's landscapes and ecosystems. For instance, they're returning a Somerset River to its natural state to slow its flow, allowing more water to be held in the landscape. This project not only combats flooding and drought, but also increases the diversity of wildlife and enhances carbon storage. However, the Trust warns that the UK is likely to experience increasingly extreme weather in the coming years. And we need to prepare for this new norm. It's clear that climate change is having profound impacts on our natural world. Thanks for shedding light on this, Charlotte. In related news, the United Arab Emirates is making strides in the field of rainfall enhancement, a technique that has been historically overlooked in discussions of climate change adaptation and sustainability. Charlotte, can you tell us more about this pioneering research and its implications? Absolutely, Diego. The UAE Research Program for Rain Enhancement Science, or UAE-REP, has been making significant progress in the field of rainfall enhancement. This program is not only advancing the science behind rain enhancement, but it's also presenting it as a viable solution to the growing impacts of climate change on water and food security, both regionally and globally. That's fascinating. Can you share more about how this rain enhancement works and what it could mean for regions struggling with water scarcity? Sure. Rainfall enhancement, or cloud seeding, involves increasing precipitation by dispersing substances into the air that serve as cloud condensation nuclei, encouraging rainfall. The UAE's cloud seeding efforts are estimated to yield an additional 168 to 838 million cubic meters of rainfall annually. 
This could be a game changer for arid regions. The cost of these cloud seeding missions is also significantly lower than the cost of desalinated water production, making it a more economically viable option. What are the next steps for this research? Are there any challenges to be addressed? The article proposes three key areas for further research. Enhancing the targeted cloud quantity and precision of seeding missions, identifying optimal applications for rainfall enhancement and the requisite conditions, and deploying rainfall harvesting, water storage, and transmission systems. Addressing these areas will require interdisciplinary research and development, leveraging advancements in material science, nanotechnology, autonomous unmanned aerial systems, smart sensors, thermal systems, and AI machine learning tools. It's clear that this research is not only innovative, but also holds great potential for addressing water scarcity in a changing climate. Thanks for your insights, Charlotte. Now, in a significant development in space exploration, a Japanese astronaut is likely to land on the moon as part of the US-led Artemis Lunar Exploration Program. Charlotte, can you tell us more about this development and what it means for Japan? Absolutely, Diego. This is a historic moment for Japan. If successful, Japan will become only the second country to send an astronaut to the moon. The US and Japan are currently making final arrangements, with Japan hoping to see one of its astronauts on the moon by the late 2020s. What role is Japan playing in the Artemis program? Japan announced its participation in the Artemis program back in 2019. Its contributions include supplying the HTVX unmanned cargo transport vehicle for the planned Gateway Space Station and the development of a lunar rover. Toyota Motor Corp is also playing a leading role in the development of a high-performance exploration vehicle for long-term activities on the moon. So, in return for Japan's contributions, the U.S. is offering the opportunity for at least one Japanese astronaut to land on the moon. Is there a possibility of more than one Japanese astronaut landing on the moon? Yes, that's correct. In fact, negotiations are underway for a second Japanese astronaut to also land on the moon. The U.S. aims to land Americans on the moon in 2025, marking the first people to do so since the Apollo program half a century ago. From 2028, the plan is to send astronauts to the moon once a year. This is certainly a significant step for Japan and an exciting development in space exploration. Thanks for the insights, Charlotte. In a surprising twist, astronomers have discovered a planet that's too massive for its star. This discovery has led to a rethink of the planetary formation theory, particularly around red dwarf stars, which are the most common type in our Milky Way galaxy. Charlotte, can you tell us more about this? Absolutely, Diego. The star in question, LHS 3154, is a red dwarf, much smaller and less luminous than our sun. It was previously believed that these stars simply aren't massive enough to host planets much larger than Earth. However, the discovery of a planet at least 13 times Earth's mass orbiting very close to LHS 3154 has challenged this belief. The mass ratio of this planet with its star is more than 100 times greater than that of Earth and the sun. That's quite a significant difference. What does this mean for our understanding of planetary formation? Well, the planet-forming disk around stars is only a small fraction of the stellar mass and is expected to scale with that mass. So a very low-mass star should have a disk that is also low-mass. Such a disk should not be heavy enough to birth the planet we discovered. This discovery raises questions about how planets form around the lowest-mass stars, as such stars were previously thought to primarily only be able to form small terrestrial planets, similar in mass to Earth. So it seems like this discovery is challenging our current understanding of planetary formation. How was this planet discovered? The researchers discovered this planet, called LHS 3154b, 
by detecting a subtle wobble in the host star caused by the planet's gravitational effects during its orbit. They used an instrument called the Habitable Zone Planet Finder, or HPF, built by a team led by Penn State astronomer Suvrath Mahadevan on the Hobby Eberly Telescope at the University of Texas McDonald Observatory. The HPF was designed to find planets that orbit relatively cool stars and have the potential for liquid water on their surfaces, a key factor for life. This discovery certainly shows that as our measurement precision increases, we see the universe in new, unexpected ways. Thanks for the insights, Charlotte. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Current Radio. We'll see you back here tomorrow.